Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. Paul spoke these words with all fervency and exhortation to not put your hope in your faith on things temporary, but to fix your heart on things eternal, to keep your focus on the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ, on the promises that Jesus died to give us access to that we might be grafted in and receive of the blessings of Abraham, not so that we could try to build our own kingdoms here, but so that we could be part of the one that has been promised to come that will be ruled by that son of David, that heir to the kingdom, our Messiah, King Jesus. In 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 9, Peter makes the same point when he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men might count slackness. In other words, he is not failing to fulfill the promises that have been given, the things that he told us were coming, that he paid a price for, for us through his crucifixion. It says, however, he is long-suffering towards us because that he is not willing that any should perish and miss their chance to partake of it, but rather that all should come to repentance so that they might be able to enter into it at his returning. However, he continues to say that it's not wise to play games with the mercies and grace of God. Because we don't know the day or the hour that the door of that ark will be shut. It says, because eventually the day of the Lord, it will come. And when it does, it will come like a thief in the night. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Now think about that. This is something that happens very suddenly. And it says that when it does, the very elements will melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be. Now, there are two very important things that we need to take out of this sentence. It says that with fervent heat, the very elements will melt. And then it tells you of things that will happen on the earth. This means that the heat and the elements melting is something so grand and unstoppable and unescapable that it is something that is even beyond our planet. Remember, he says, even the heavens will pass away in the final day. And when it does, the earth will be burned up and all of its work. This is why it is unwise to put your faith in building temporary kingdoms, to idolize materialism, prasanas, the vain imaginations, ministries, nations, are works of men. None of it will amount to anything in the end. Make sure you're not robbed of your vision. Keep your eyes on the destination. He continues by saying, seeing then that all of these things shall be utterly and completely dissolved, then what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation 
and godliness. How should you speak? How should you act? How should you think? Knowing that nothing physical here will last. Make your decisions for eternity, not for the moment, not what you can get, not what you can build, not how men perceive you. Oh, the enemy, he will tempt you to move by the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He will try to get you to sell your birthright for physical kingdoms, for quick impartations, for promises of grandeur and vain imaginations. He'll even try to sell you all the promises of God and tell you you don't have to wait for it. You don't have to go through Gethsemane to receive it. I'll give it to you another way, just like he did when he tempted Jesus. Peter tells us here it's not worth it. Keep your eye on the destination. Remember the promises of God and the words of the prophets. All of this stuff is temporary anyway. Seeing that it will all be dissolved, then what manner of person ought you to be in both word and action? Looking for the hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Remember, righteousness is doing what he says is right. Who's going to make it beyond this great and terrible day of judgment? Those who have trusted the words of God. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we look for such things to come, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto us. In this does Peter say that he agrees with Paul's message. Maintain your faith in his faithfulness. Stay the course, run the race with endurance. Don't get distracted by the flashy, by the temptations, by the promises of the enemy, by his great deceptions wrapped up in sheep's clothing. Don't let him focus you on the temporary on the accolades of men. Keep your ear tuned to him and keep your eyes on the destination. He has given us a promise and he will get us to it. Don't lose the vision. Because the enemy, he likes to get you looking at the short term so that you forget what's coming. Because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 45, Jesus tells us very plainly in the parable that he gives that the servant who forgets that his Lord is soon returning will become wicked. He will start trying to rule his master's kingdom for him here now in place of him rather than preparing the way for him. He will become prideful and arrogant, boisterous, 
a sumptuous, hard-hearted, desirous of vainglory. My friend, guard your heart against this snare of Satan. Because we are told by Daniel the prophet that in the last days that many would fall away, deceived by the Antichrist spirit because of flatteries, because of ease and prosperity, because of materialism, because of vainglory. Remind yourself daily, this world is not our home. We're only passing through. You were never meant to homestead here. He's got a better one for you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says this, that, that we are to set our hearts to endure difficulties as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, that no man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. It's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be about pleasing you. It's not always going to be about peace and prosperity. Sometimes things are going to get difficult. Sometimes he's going to ask you to give to the last penny. Sometimes you're going to do exactly what he asked you to and everyone will hate you for it. They did it to Jesus. We're not better than our master is. They're going to look down on you and say, he's not with you. You're poor. You're despised. You're rejected. You're lonely. You're a nobody. If they do, my friends, you're in good company. As Jesus said, they did it to the prophets that came before you, to him and to Paul and to the early apostles. Having the masses follow after you with accolades and praise is no determination that you're walking in God's good graces. In fact, it says that most had turned against Paul thinking that God was against him because of the trial and tribulations that he faced continually, the attacks, the imprisonments, when in actuality, God was just sitting him still so that he could speak to him and through him because he so trusted him. He was going to have him write something that would still be teaching the nations to this day, but in his own lifetime. There were moments where he thought himself a failure, his life uneventful. He questioned why he sat in a prison cell. But as he sat and prayed and meditated on the word of God, he came to the same conclusions over and over again. This world is not my home. So I will keep fighting the good fight of faith and I will rest with Jesus in the end on that fateful day when he comes with ten thousands of his saints and new Jerusalem, when old things are passed away and all things become new, he will have a place in this kingdom for you if you endure until the end and maintain your faith in the promise. Just like Abraham Remember the mistake that was made when he took matters into his own hand and tried to make the promise come to fruition through their own ability, strength, understanding, and vain imaginations? Oh, how they messed it up. My friend, lay down your Ishmael and wait for Isaac. Oh, put your faith in the promises 
of God. Remember again what we said in the beginning that there is no city or kingdom in this world that will last past the resurrection. Every one of them will be laid low and destroyed when he pours out the wrath of his indignation at the end of this dispensation, at which point he will bring in the kingdom that he has built himself, one not built by the hands of man. Oh, anyone that tells you, my friend, that this thing is being built here now is deceived, misled, puffed up with pride, vain imaginations, doctrines of demons, confusion, a great deception. It's no different than the promise that was given to Jesus at the end of his wilderness temptation. Bring it back to the foundations of faith. And remember that what Jesus did was to graft us into the blessing and promise of Abraham. This is why we read in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 that by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went but by faith he sojourned in a land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, he wasn't looking for a physical inheritance. He wasn't looking to try to overtake physical kingdoms. He was looking for what God had promised, something that he himself was building. And likewise, through faith did Sarah herself receive strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised, she kept her vision. She kept seeing in her spirit the promise manifested, the destination. It didn't matter how impossible it got. It was impossible when God gave the promise. How much more impossible did it get in the 25 years that she waited on it? But nevertheless, they believed that he was able to accomplish it. And he did. And he will. He is unchanging. He's just waiting for you to put your Ishmaels away and have faith in the real deal. Therefore, because she judged him faithful who had promised, sprang there even of one, which was her, and him that was as good as dead, which was Abraham. So many descendants that they were as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand of the sea by the shore. In other words, innumerable. God promised Abraham that his generations would go on forever and they believed him. Even though they could not have children, even though they waited all this time, God promised them that their children would not only be numerous, 
but that they would go on from generation to generation forevermore. My friend, grab hold of the reality of this that we were told in these other passages that there is coming a day when the earth itself will end, the heavens will pass away, the elements of our solar system will melt with fervent heat all of it will be destroyed. Nevertheless, will the faithful righteous remnant of the descendants of Abraham be preserved and protected and carried on through to new earths and new heavens? God himself will make a way for it to happen. He promised it and he's faithful to accomplish it. Fix your eyes on the vision. Grab hold of the promise. Thank him. Praise him. And believe him for it. Don't let men or demons fix your eyes on a false prize. Temporary, vain, fleeting. If it takes you out of right standing and out of the will of God. If it makes you fight for earthly kingdoms instead of the spiritual one. Then it's doctrines of demons. Preaching a great deception. Matthew chapter 20 verse 19 tells us that we are not to give value to temporary treasures. That moth and rust destroy. That thieves can steal. That can burn up on the final day with all of the other wood stubble and hay. But that we are to store up treasures in heaven doing the works of God, being obedient to the teachings of Jesus when he said, go out into all the world and tell them everything that I taught you. Tell them to forgive. Tell them to believe on me. Tell them that I'm coming again to live holy and righteously, to obey my commandments, to maintain their faith in the fact that there will be a final judgment and a resurrection. Tell them, as it is written in James chapter 4, verse 4, that to be friends with the world makes them the enemy of God. Spiritual adulterers that seek to be protected, preserved, provided for by the world, its systems, its antichrist spirit, its other husband, its false covering. That's why it says at the beginning of that very passage, O oh, ye adulterers, he's talking about spiritual adultery, those that are trusting in something other than the marriage covenant. Oh, put your eyes on Jesus. Don't let anything take your focus away from him because the enemy, he will put your attention on self, on vanity, on intellect, on materialism, on career, on your own personal ministry, on politics and politicians, on world systems, anything to get your focus off of Jesus. Because if your focus is on Jesus, he's going to continuously remind you to humble yourself before him, to love God and to love men and to spend every waking moment Seeking, believing, preparing for his return and bringing others into the faith, doing the work of the kingdom before it's too late. Preach truth, preach repentance, preach righteousness, preach the judgment. Show love, mercy, compassion, and charity to the widow and the orphan. Pure religion undefiled according to the scripture is to tend to the needy and the less fortunate. 
to teach them to do right, that they might be found in right standing and not caught unaware, like someone who was not prepared to face a thief in the night. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing as we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us ourselves lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. In other words, anything that distracts you from the Great Commission. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame of it, and for that is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him himself that endured such great contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. This is the advice given to us by the apostles of the church of Jesus Christ to have endurance, and to remind yourself of the hardships that Jesus himself had to endure, that you not grow weary in well-doing and give up, become complacent, fall to the flattery and fluff and vain imaginations that Satan offers in his temptations. Praise God for the mountaintops, but run hard in the valleys and the wildernesses, like Elijah and the prophets before us did. Remember the great ones like John the Baptist, who spent 30 years of his life in the lowliest of places, preparing for a ministry that only lasted a few months and ended in a prison cell. Despised and rejected by men, hated by hell, but endorsed by heaven, and praised before men by the very breath of Jesus. Oh, my friend, anyone that takes your focus away from the promise to come and focuses your attention on making something happen here and now, on an Ishmael, on fulfilling your own promise through vain imaginations and human limitations, on building temporary physical kingdoms, is preaching doctrines of demons. You better get in your prayer closet and get to know the real Jesus. Because true Christianity is not always easy. It's not about your glory. It's about serving the Lord who was willing to pay the price to redeem you from the curse that will devour the earth at his second coming. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, or ye now made perfect by the flesh? Why are you so focused on physical, temporary, vain 
imaginations of men and of demons. Why are you not still believing the teachings of Jesus? Have you suffered so many things in vain? In the past up till this point, he that ministereth unto you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same or the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying that in thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Oh, my friend, you better get it in your spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So rather it be in the pages of scripture or in the prayer closet, what the Lord is speaking forth, he will accomplish. Put your faith in the promise and wait for it with all faithfulness, diligence, vigilance, and endurance holding fast your profession of faith, seeking him day by day. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do the work of the evangelist. Prepare the way for his coming. Because there is a city whose maker is the Lord. A kingdom not built by men, nor influenced by demons. There is a world coming wherein dwelleth righteousness. Set your sights on these things. Preach them and believe for them and prepare others to receive them. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.